The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the S&M Chronicles, a kink podcast. meant to be a reflection on our journey into the BDSM scene, our thoughts, feelings, and experiences along the way. As we always do like to disclose, we are not experts. Please make sure you're researching everything as much as you can uh, before you try it. Form your own opinions. Take everything we say with a grain of salt and be safe in your journey. (laughs) It's been a little while. Last episode, uh, we talked about rope. We had a lovely guest on, Sam. Yay, Sam. Yay, Sam, who was our uh, rope expert of the night and gave us a good rundown of suspensions and bondage and rope ties. So hopefully you got a little a little more educated on that topic because it's definitely something that I have very limited experience with. I still haven't done a suspension scene, so I'm going to have to Gotta change that. Change that, yeah. <laughs> But I've been so focused on... I've been traveling so much this summer. I've been traveling. We had some great emails come through and questions that we're going to base this episode off of. Thank you for the questions, always. Yeah, yeah. Particularly feminism and its relation to BDSM. Yeah. And submission and masochism. Uh, We'll read the question when we get further into that. But we did want to address a couple other questions before... We dive into that and also before we dive into our update for the month. So our first question comes to us from a listener who would like to remain anonymous. And it has to do with safe sex and safe sex practices within the scene. So the question reads, what if any safe sex practices do you use? I thought about this after S talked in the most recent episode about fucking two women with her strap on in the same night. Is there a requirement that people at parties and clubs have to be treated and tested on a regular basis? Are people using condoms or just hoping for the best? Is this a topic that is discussed or negotiated during the negotiation of other terms? Great question. Great question. Very relevant. So, first off, great that you're thinking about it. I found that people, I found that people in the poly scene, the kink scene, the swinger scene, whenever there's people having sex with multiple different partners, there's a heightened awareness and a heightened attentiveness to questions of safer sex. I'm going to call it safer sex because there's always a risk. Absolutely. Um, And I think what's important is because there's a careful dichotomy here where it's really important not to create shame around STIs. Mm -hmm. They are just another kind of infection that you can get, another kind of uh, sickness that can happen in the same way that if you're in a crowded office space with people, you can get a cold, right? So there shouldn't be an added extra level of morality added to STIs, right? right? And like someone having or you having an STI does not make you gross or bad or dirty or any of those things. Mm -hmm. It's just something to be aware of. So with that in mind, 
And also, a lot of the information that we were given about STIs as children, depending on what your sex ed was, was very scare tactic-y mm-hmm. in a way that sexual health is very important, but a, most STIs are fully curable, but you want to know that you have them, so that's why it's really important to get tested. Like the syphilis, gonorrhea, chlamydia, all of those, if you if you test positive for one of those, you take an antibiotic and it's gone. And it's not something that's reoccurring or anything like that. And something like herpes 2, which is the one that a lot of people are really scared of. Oftentimes doctors won't test for herpes 2 because the stigma can be worse than the actual results of having herpes 2. And a lot of people don't know they have it because they don't actually have an outbreak. But the worst case scenario with herpes 2 is outbreaks that are uncomfortable. Then there's, of course, HIV, which is scary, but at this point in time, much more manageable than it was at in the past. And catching it early and getting it medicated, it's not by any means a death sentence no. now. And if it's undetectable, it's untransmittable. Yeah, from my understanding, whether, I don't know if it's antibiotics or, it's not antibiotics, but it's medication that you can be on if you do have HIV or AIDS. As long as you're on that medication, you are not able to transmit the virus right. to a partner. Make sure when you do see your primary care doctor, or if you go to a clinic, ask them what they're testing for, get the whole range, because like S said, sometimes they will only test for a bare minimum, but if, you know, you should... I think, in my mind, know about every single one of those things. Get your pap smears every year if you are a female-identifying individual with a vagina. in the process of getting my HPV preventative shots. Yeah, I have all of mine. Those are good. Those are fantastic. So, yeah, I, so I just wanted to start out by saying let's not build shame around STIs because it's not a thing to be shameful about, but we'll all be happier. And in fact, if we remove the stigma and the shame, it's easier to talk about and it's Mm -hmm. easier to say this is just a positive for everyone's health all around and important with consent if because you want to know the people, um, people's status with, with these things. And so I think at that point, it's up to every individual person to assess what level of risk they want to take. And I'll say one more thing too. Jay and I were like getting these colds nonstop and we're like people would think STIs would be the problem of being like in this kind of lifestyle and really it's just like common cold and viruses because you're in these when you're going to sex parties and stuff a lot it's like you're in these close quarters with a lot of other people it's not even necessarily the kissing it's just like being in the in a classroom you know right where germs spread easily it's about at that point assessing your level of risk and knowing some people use barriers for everything and there are some parties that have specific rules so i was at a party once where barriers were required for any sexual act oral fingering they had gloves for Right. And so that course, would, a barrier would mean like gloves for fingering, a condom for oral sex, a condom for penetrative sex. And typically when you go to parties, these things are provided and very much encouraged to be yeah. used. I've found that most people in the scene, everyone that I've encountered so far, on a first encounter requests condoms. Absolutely. And then barriers for other things, again, are up to, are up to your level of risk. I use condoms. I generally don't use barriers for oral sex or tan stuff, even if it's a someone I meet on a new night. 
In terms of your question about my strap-on, if I'm at a party, I'll often ask the person if they prefer I put a condom on the strap-on or if it's okay with them if I just wash it. Mm-hmm. So typically, I just I just wash it. It's a silicone toy, so it doesn't. Yeah. It's not like cloth or, or leather. So that's an, here's another good term to know is fluid bonded. So if you have something that's, that's porous, so it's like leather, if it gets, if it comes in contact with, with somebody's fluids like that, then we say that it's fluid bonded. And to be safe, you really shouldn't use that on a new partner mm-hmm. if it's been fluid bonded to somebody else. But something like a... A silicone toy. A toy like that. I, I typically just wash it, but at that particular party, I did use a condom yeah. on it. Well, when it comes to butt plugs and things going up... That's a bit different. Anus, that's different, and I only will use my own personal toys for my own ass. I yeah, this is that's this mine and that's dildo the only has, thing going in my butt. Yeah, and this dildo, I do not fuck people in the ass with. Yeah, and if I did, I You'd would put a use condom condoms. on it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I wouldn't. I wouldn't just wash it. I agree. And we, even if with my toys, I have a very specific cleaner with it. I have, on occasion mix bleach and water and let them soak in it and then wash it through. You can put them in the dishwasher if you want. Some are dishwasher safe. Uh, yeah, I'd recommend using condoms on toys if that is of concern to you. But there is definitely no hoping for the best. To quote your email, I would say be communicative, ask the questions, don't ever assume. And if someone's not comfortable about talking about that or disclosing their past history, some people go as far as to ask people to produce paperwork from tests that they have. I'll and like I have it on my phone. Yeah. I think there's nothing wrong with that. No. I think it's, again, it's it's about definitely, definitely get tested. I try to get yes. tested every three to four months. Yeah, I go about the same consistency. And remember that if you go to a free clinic to get tested, they're typically only going to test for the big four, which is... Um, Syphilis, gonorrhea, chlamydia, and HIV. You'll need to ask for a full screening to get the rest, which includes like herpes. When I did that, so I I think I might do a a cadence where I might do a full screening once a year and then the big four once every three months Mm -hmm. or something like that. Because when I did my full screening, I actually had to pay a decent amount. Mm -hmm. I ended up getting a bill. I might need to look into that a little bit more. And if you, depending on where you are, like if you're in New York City, there's a lot of places that'll do free, free testing for the big four at least. Mm-hmm. And if you Google just where you are and STI screenings, you should get results on that. Yeah. And make sure you're aware too of, you know, symptoms that come up. Some things are, you know, you may have something and it's undetectable because you don't have symptoms with it. It may be silent. But definitely recognize, you know, if you have a rash or, a, you know, whatever it is that you're discovering in that area, get it checked out. And actually, on a separate note, yeast infections and UTIs, something yeah, that is super common. I've gotten that before, and that can be a bummer because, first of all, there's not really anything you can do to prevent that, and everyone is different Everybody in terms of how their body the reacts. Part. Sometimes you just get it. I have a friend who will get a UTI every time she has a new partner, no matter what she does. If she uses a condom, it's just her 
vaginal. Her vagina is like new penis. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> her, Everybody her, freak out. Her vaginal ecosystem is crazy sensitive. So anytime she's got a new dick in her, it freaks out, and she's got to go get, you know, medication or whatnot. And for UTIs, I, I don't know if they're as common among men. I'm not really sure. It. UTIs are definitely more common among women. I think so. Or among people with vaginas, yeah. I should say. There's, um, you can do more holistic things, like there's cranberry supplements you can take. I would recommend putting a probiotic in your diet. That helped mm. me, at least. Again, it may not yeah. be the same for everybody. Make sure you're being very clean. Wash, wipe from front Pee after sex. Yes, pee after sex. Pee after, oh my god. If you don't know this, please know this. <laughs> After you, sorry, we should define this. If you get penetrated in your vagina, pee afterwards. It mm. it does wonders to prevent UTIs. Yeah, it's true. Cause I, the time I got a UTI, I didn't pee after sex, and then I got it. Yep, it so. really it's a real thing, and it's a it's a joke now between. Not even a joke, but just like a little thing that Jay and I say. Like we'll be that fucking. I'll be like. Gotta do it. I gotta do an anti-UTIP. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be like, did you remember to do your anti-UTIP? <laughs> so it's good. The other annoying thing too is if you get a UTI and you're on the antibiotics for it, sometimes those antibiotics can give you a yeast infection. Yeah, and you have to go beyond also, other medication for that. People on hormonal birth control, um, a thing that doesn't get talked about enough. Many types of antibiotics will render your birth control ineffective. Really? Yeah. Which, like, should be more... That should be yelled about more. (laughs) Don't you think? Yeah, that's a... So, if you're on an antibiotic, check with your doctor, because a lot of... Most antibiotics will fuck with your birth control. Okay, I don't know that. Yeah. Another thing I did, too, that I started doing in the realm of sexual health, I started tracking my periods. That's cool. So now I know, because I I felt like mine were always a little bit unpredictable, or my cycle was a little longer than 30 days, or 28 days, or whatever the standard is. So now, I can track it, and I know exactly what day it's going to come, exactly what my fertility window is. It's nice. (laughs) When I'm going to... I don't really PMS that hard, but you know. Yeah. Know that there's apps out there that can help with that, and maybe if, you know, that's a little more predictable for you, then you could know in advance... A lot of stuff to think about in terms of sexual health. STIs are important to be aware of and know your status on and know know what your boundaries are and mm-hmm. what your level of risk is. And at the same time, there's no shame. We have a second question that we want to cover before we dive into today's topic. Also from an anonymous listener. This is about uh, disability in the scene, and it's a very interesting question. So it reads, You two have touched briefly on acceptance and potential lack thereof of trans and non-binary folk in the kink community. I'm curious how the kink community receives physically disabled people. Have you ever seen or interacted with someone with a physical disability in a kink space? Do you feel like they would be accepted as widely as anyone else? That is a great question. Yeah, it's And a complicated one. Yeah. I think it's complicated in the sense that certain things, like a suspension, there may definitely be physical limitations to what that person can do if they have a disability. So it's important for them to know that and be able to disclose that, say if they're bottoming, to whatever top is about to be doing that. I think disability is something that is... 
Well, accessibility is a big issue, right? Because a lot of the spaces that we go to, you have to climb a narrow flight of stairs. Yeah, yeah. And that's the only way to get into the space. It's true. So right off the bat, there's a big exclusion factor there, which is shitty. Mm -hmm. The spaces themselves being accessible to people with disability is an issue right off the bat. I think that as able-bodied people, it's... There's probably a lot of areas where we're not even aware of where that kind of discrimination is coming into play and in accessibility. And although a lot of people in the scene speak to inclusivity, and I think if you ask them about how they would respond to someone with a disability, they would say the same, or I would try to accommodate them, or I would definitely play with them, that doesn't mean that that's truly how someone with a disability would feel mm-hmm. in this space. I haven't encountered a lot of people. I have some, and I didn't witness any outright discriminatory behavior. But again, that doesn't mean that there was microaggressions that I happening that I wasn't aware of, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So I think I feel a bit ill-equipped to, to talk on this, but what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm trying to even think if, in, in all the parties and experiences I've had, if I've seen anybody with a physical disability and I'm struggling to I, I had a part, think about that. I had a partner, a kind of short-lived partner with, with a physical disability that was visible, mm-hmm. but not super hindering in terms of her mobility or anything. Yeah. It's a really good question. I, I, think, I think we need to do better as a community, as like in general in the kink community in terms of being more accessible. I do think the kink space is one that is making a more pointed attempt to be a safe space for people Mm -hmm. than the general public. Yeah. If there's anybody out there who has a disability who's in the scene, we'd love to talk to you. Yeah. Or if you want to offer your experiences. Because again, I don't want to say like, yeah, it's super accepting because I don't fucking know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, I don't have a disability. I believe it's called Disability After Dark. I heard one of the hosts of that podcast on Off the Cuffs, mm-hmm. and it was really great. So that would that podcast is about navigating sex and kink and whatnot with disability, and it's hosted by <laughs> a host who actually has a disability, so they can talk much with much more clarity to this topic. Thank you for those questions. If you have more, please shoot us an email at snmchronicles at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. Also, if there's something more specific to one of us or you want to reach out to one of us specifically, I said specific twice, (laughs) uh, you can reach out to myself on FET, FETLife. I am Blue Jasmine. And S is also on FETLife. Underscore Painslet. Underscore Painslet. So before we dive into this episode on feminism and BDSM, it's time for Things We Did This Month! Whip sound. What have I been up to? You know, it's funny. Since the last episode, I've only been to one party. And that seems like not a lot because it's been a little while. I went to a party at Hacienda hosted by the Leather Vanguard. And I had an amazing time. First of all, if you haven't been to that space, it's it's hard to describe. It kind of reminds me of Gemini Scorpio Loft a bit. Kind of 
moody and chill and feels really, loungy. Yeah, easygoing vibes. There's kind of an outdoorsy space. There's a hot tub in there. And this party was a lot more kink oriented. As soon as I got there, I was into a scene, and I hadn't done a heavy impact scene. It's been a while since I've done a heavy impact scene where I've bratted, because with with my dom, I've been <laughs> I've been so high protocol also, focused. Also, my dom, that's new, right? Is it? Is it? This will, we'll, we'll talk more about this we'll in talk- the actual... Did thing. I really not? Was that not a thing last time? I don't think you were calling him my dom. Okay, I know what it was. He was listed as my top. Mm. And now he's listed as my dominant. Which is actually pretty ironic. Just a little side tangent from the discussion of the Hacienda party in the scene. It's funny because I, and I think I said this before, I never thought I would like high protocol submission. I thought I would always be a brat. And... The reason that this worked was because on a whim, I asked him, I want to try, just to try it, thinking that I would never like it. And here we are today. It just goes to show that you never know what you're going to like in this scene until you try it. So I've really gone with the flow. And it's been great too, because I I see him about once a month, but I never feel tied down and I feel like I can explore other sides of myself and still go to parties with friends and other people and explore my dominant side so uh but yeah that is a little bit of news i have that formal ds dynamic uh i am listed as unknown and uncollared and yeah it works well for me so here we are but back to the hacienda vanguard scene which was with one of the vanguard members there was a bench that i was i guess straddling and I was cuffed onto that with much struggle and resistance, which is fun. And he put he put this leather apron on, <laughs> which was actually quite terrifying. It'd be great for a medical play scene or like a I don't know. That is terrifying. Like this leather now that I long black that. apron. Like he's gonna like fucking chop up a like butcher a cow or something. <laughs> And I'm just sitting there on on this bench, quivering, being like, oh my god, what's he going to hit me with? But when he put that on, I was like, oh, you going to get out of the kitchen and make some muffins? (laughs) It was an apron. That's such a brat. He didn't like anything to do. But, uh, so he, we did some impact with a flogger, and he had a fire hose. He had a couple different fire hoses. Did he hit you with? Yeah. Not, they weren't really long, but they were big pieces of it. That hurts. Um, so oh, I had shit. some lovely bruises on my butt that lasted. Yes. Well, actually, the next day I had trouble, like, sitting every butt time I bruises. sat. I was like, whoa. Oh, I love that, that hurt. feeling. I haven't done that in a while. <laughs> but it was very fun. I had, a, I had a great time. Very attentive. And they did a scene later on. It was two of the Vanguard members with this just ruthless female brat. She was fantastic. And the whole scene was so well-coordinated. It was, it was like watching choreography. It was, everyone was very attentive to it, but it was such a brutal scene. When I watched that scene and how full out she was bratting, they were like lifting her up in the air and she was like grabbing things and scurrying away. I was like, wow, am I really a brat? Cause I don't think I could take on two people <laughs> oh, like really that. That was crazy. Uh, that I think I'm fun. starting to soften in my journey and, 
and be like, you know, I'll brat for a little bit, but it's just, it's easier to be good and get my Aww. way. So, but, no, that was great. And then there were, I don't know what you call it, cuffs, a rack hanging from the ceiling. And T strapped me up there and I did a writing that I have on my FET about a soft limit, which is a gangbang. And he had me read it out loud. <laughs> While he that's hot, while he had my little rabbit vibrator going, it was basically an edging scene. While I was reading that out loud, that's really hot. Yeah, it was oh great. My God, I came lot. And then at the same party, there was the lovely older gentleman who was there with his wife, and he came up to me, and I guess he was watching me while I was bottoming for these scenes, and he was like, oh, my wife would love to see me get spanked. I wanted to know if you could do this, and I went, well, sure, what the heck? (laughs) So (laughs) I took all of uh, the toys in the bag that we had with us. There was the crop, which I used. I used the crop, I used the paddle. I think your sir used that big paddle on me the night that I met him. I love that paddle. It's cool. It's It's really big. It's so big. Very funny. Yeah. There was another um, smaller leather paddle. Anyway, and I was alternating between these and slowly working him up, and he, he was really enjoying it. Um, and then it was do a little bit of teasing with my hands and uh, sensation play with the crop as well, but that was great, and he had a wonderful time. So that was that party. Fantastic. If you get a chance to go to Hacienda, it's a wonderful space. Uh, and then the Vanguard, like I said, is very much more kink-oriented. And then I've been doing some stuff with cuckolding. <laughs> Remember like a year ago, everybody, when I said that I was going to do that and then I like didn't do it and now I'm doing it. So Yay. it took a little while, but I've done two cuckolding scenes. It's been fantastic to build relationships with these men and just talk to them. I mean, I think the biggest thing I take away from it, I don't have to put on this mean, cold air of this slave driving whip driving femdom I can be I can still be sweet and caring and compassionate as a dominant woman and I feel like when I do get into the headspace of being dominant I take some of that with me but then kind of the maniacal fun laughing teasing side of me comes out but it's never my interactions are never cold and I think at least this is what I've heard from some male submissives, and the thing I get the most is like, oh, wow, you're so approachable, you're so easy to talk to. And I'm kind of like, well, yeah, that's that's me. Like, I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm chill. You, you can be, I feel like you can still be yourself and still be dominant. You don't have to put a character on to do that. For sure. So For sure. that's my biggest takeaway from it. But it's it's been really empowering and really fun those scenes and I have one of the male subs that I did one of the scenes with is really serious about caging and wants me to be a key holder for him so I am working and looking into that and he wants to be caged up for me and released by only me so we'll see how that goes what about you S? a lot of fun kink Not a ton of new, new experiences, but a few. So my partner, who I will call C, who I don't think I've talked about before, but she's awesome. So I date her and Jay dates her, and we also have a triad relationship. 
and she is lovely and I've been exploring a lot more switching with her mm-hmm. and Lesdom, which I think is hot as fuck. Mm-hmm. And she is learning rope, which nice. is fun. And so she's done a little bit with tying me up and stuff. And I found the way that she does rope is honestly my ideal in terms of subbing for rope because it's not it's not the elaborate artistic shibari stuff. It's more practical rope. <laughs> Jay and I were over at her place the other night, and she, I can't remember, we started getting sexy, and then she (laughs) threw me down on the bed, stomach first, and grabbed my hands and put them behind my back, and just tied my hands behind my back, and just really simply, but I was like, that's so hot. Mm -hmm. I, I realized having my hands behind my back is really sexy to me if I'm not tied up in any other way. So then she got her strap on on and started fucking me. And I was, I had my head off the side of the bed and then Jay started face fucking me. So spit as spit roasted, I said spit roasted and, and, and was like, what is spit roasted? I so, thought I knew that. I was like, oh, all right. That's you right. can imagine why it looks like you're, getting spit roasted Mm -hmm. but it was it was so hot i was like oh my god i'm in heaven i haven't done that yet i'm so into this it made it a little bit harder with my hands behind my back because i didn't have anything to like i couldn't put my hands down on the bed but he was like he was the one fucking my face so it was just really hot and i enjoyed it immensely so i've really been exploring a lot more to being switchy with women and I've had a few a number of one-on-one dates with women Mm -hmm. where we've done and doing more one-on-one play with women and I found myself taking more of a dominant role in those interactions especially the first time hooking up with women I've found myself often taking the dominant role there and being more the initiator, Mm. which is actually very empowering and fun. Mm -hmm. I've I've really started to enjoy that. But like this one woman, we went on a date and went really well. And I, uh, we went back to my place and like, we talked for a while and we of course, I like having the kink negotiation. Once I've gotten affirmative affirmative consent for some of the stuff that they like and are into, just like, going into the scene kind of suddenly if we're talking and I and they've said like I like hair pulling and I like being told what to do and I like these kind of names like it's like make sure you get all of that but then I'll like just like to like grab their hair and like throw them on the bed or something yeah so this woman I went on a date with it like went really well and I put her in the under the bed restraints that I have and had her spread eagle and I had asked her about what kind of dirty talk she likes and if there's any words or any names that are triggering for her or if she likes whatnot. If she likes dirty talk and she was like, I like it, just don't, don't like call me ugly or anything. Mm-hmm. And I, I was just really proud of this line because I leaned down and I was like, you're so beautiful and I'm going to destroy you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she like melted and she was like, oh my God, that's so hot. <laughs> and I was like... <laughs> 
And then I like hit her and, and fucked her. I'll tell you though, <laughs> the thing I'm always like doing so well, I'm always like getting them warmed up, doing all the things, like it's really hot, and then I'm like, you want me to fuck you with my strap on? And they're like, yeah. And then it takes me like 10 fucking minutes to get my strap on on, and it looks so awkward and like not dummy. Oh <laughs> I'm just like, excuse me while I like fumble with these straps for 10 minutes. I think a good workaround for that, if the person is into it, is you can like blindfold them, or like have them like face down on the bed, and then they're just like anticipating. Or like and force I'll, them to put it on and be like, Hurry up. <laughs> Hurry up. Do it better. Exactly. In reality, it takes me forever. It's like when, so. when I have to take T. So T has this like crazy leather outfit and he has these leather pants and leather boots and you have to like twist the pant ankle around and shove them into the boot. It's really stiff. So he'll, be, he'll make me do it. And I like can't do it because yeah. the leather is so... I'm just like awkwardly trying to shove the leather into the boot. That's so he knows funny. it's hard because he has trouble with it too. But it's just funny because yeah. that's, yeah, that's what I do. I just like make somebody else like awkwardly fumble with it and be like, why can't you do this better? <laughs> oh, I'll tell you another kind of really weird... Not weird, but like Jay and I just... We have been talking about doing a collaring ceremony. Mm. It won't be for a couple of years, at least. He says it's like a kink version of a wedding without the law getting involved. Right. (laughs) And, of course, without expectations of monogamy and whatnot. Just a nice little sort of kink ceremony. Will there be cake? There will absolutely be cake. Yes. We also had the idea to make a specialty cocktail in honor of each of our other partners. Aww. Wouldn't that be cute? cute. But anyway, we've been talking about, although I will always be a pain slut, I'm definitely evolving. (laughs) And there's more to me than than the masochism. I mean, there always was, but you know what I mean. In the kink realm. And so he's, he said, eventually I'm going to be upgraded to twat. (laughs) Twat. I think it's cute. Oh my gosh. So it's sort of... Can you change your name to Pain Twat? Pain Twat. That'd be hilarious. But sometimes he'll say, indicate my whole body and be like, pain slut. And then I'll do it. I'll like put my hands on top of my head and go down my body and be like, pain slut. (laughs) And then he started doing that. The reason why the term twat came up is because he was just saying different things. And he was like, twat. And I was like... Twat. Oh my gosh. <laughs> he was like, eventually, so we kind of have this thing now where he'll be, it's a little bit hot wifey, but it's much more than hot wifey. Mm-hmm. It's it's just kind of me growing into my sluttiness even more. And he'll be like, you really earned more points toward becoming a twat today or something. It just feels <laughs> this, like cute little thing, which it's not going to be for a while, but I don't know. That's it's a It's a fun little dynamic. So at my collaring ceremony... He said he's planning to get me uh, one a new collar. That will probably say twat instead of pain slut. Oh my god! And then also a <laughs> also a day collar, which will just be like a necklace. Oh, that's cute. Speaking of things, I need to buy some more clothes, like kinky <laughs> clothes. I feel like I've been wearing. Not that I don't have that many, but I feel like I need some more. Yeah. Because I have my corset and a latex dress, and I have some teddies and harnesses but I feel like I'm just I've worn them all yeah so many times to parties so if anyone has advice on where to get cool kink stuff yeah I mean there's obviously Amazon but like Etsy has some cool stuff there's some cool stores in the city but if there's anything 
that you know of that makes good quality stuff, let me know because I'm looking. So I think it's about time we dove into today's topic, which was spurred from an email that we received from one of our listeners, and her name is Mazzy. So thank you so much, Mazzy. This is a really great question. Yeah. So I'm going to read it. I would love to hear you talk about how being a sub or doing impact play can still be a feminist endeavor, as I think that is what I struggle with the most. What advice would you have for someone in my position? So, short and sweet, but I think it's a great question and a fodder for a massive conversation, because anybody looking in from the outside, especially when you're analyzing that, especially with service-oriented things like serving a man and putting yourself back into those roles that women have tried to and fought to break free from for you know centuries just the act of impact and beating and when most like in a relationship with a male identifying dominant and a female identifying submissive of course this is a question right because we are, if you're identifying as a feminist, likely you're not pro women getting beat up in relationships and not pro men having control mm-hmm. over their girlfriends or wives or partners or, or sexual partners, right? And that is an important thing to call out. And I think, like we say a lot, a lot, a lot, the difference between the things that we do in the kink community and the things that are terrible is consent, right? Yeah. That is that is the difference between assault and a fun scene mm-hmm. is consent. So that's the number one thing, which is not a revelation, but it is still a very important thing to call out. And to me, it's the difference between a society where a woman could choose to be a stay-at-home mom and a society where you don't have a choice you have to be shitting on women for being a for wanting to be a stay-at-home mom is as shitty as shitting on a woman for wanting to not do that right so it's Mm -hmm. like it's never good to be limiting women's choices in any direction i was talking about this earlier too in terms of my current ds dynamic which is based in high protocol and is me giving a lot of my control over to my dominant. He'll dictate outfits that I wear. He is controlling in the DS dynamic. And for me, it's just about giving that up. And I would, let me make that very, very clear that I would never want that in a vanilla relationship, ever. It works for me in the kink relationship and that dynamic, but that's all pre-negotiated in terms of what he is controlling and what he isn't controlling. And at the end of the day, I'm choosing to give up that control for limited amounts of time. But that is not something I would ever want to pursue on a day-to-day because I value my independence. I value my strength. And if anyone is ever trying to enforce that or manipulate that, then that would be a huge problem and that would be, in essence, abusive. So it works for me in in kink because it's what I like. I find security in it. I find a release in it. It's meditative for me to not have to think about these things, but it only works in kink for me. And for everybody, it's different. And I think one of the bigger things too is I know that 
as the sub in this DS relationship, I have the power to go back and talk about something. If I'm not comfortable with the level of control of a certain aspect, I can bring that up and we can talk about it. And if we can't, and it's something that we're at a crossroads at, then it's done. There's never this feeling of entrapment. There's always a feeling that the conversation can be open and things can be renegotiated. They're, they're considering your feelings as well. They're trying to build you up. Okay, here's something that I think I want to start with that I think is really important. Mm-hmm. Is that there is a danger in BDSM relationships because someone, it is possible to want to be somebody's sub, right? This, this is kind of really obvious, but I think it's important to say explicitly. It's possible to like want to be beaten and want to be a sub and want to like serve someone and also get into an actual abusive relationship. Hmm. It can, cause, and, and I think this gets blurry sometimes. Like I'm, I go on Reddit sometimes and like the kink threads and stuff. And there's a lot of things, a lot of like posts where, where people will be like, I'm a sub. Is this normal? Like that'll be the title. Mm-hmm. And then it'll be really abusive stuff. Like I, I like being a, a service sub, but I'm, I'm just too exhausted because I, I've been working too much recently and, and when I don't do it, he gets mad at me and he punishes me and it should always feel joyful to you. (laughs) I mean, even if you, even if you want to be made to cry and feel like the scum of the earth at its base, you should be like, this is a really fulfilling relationship for me. If it's not have a conversation and renegotiate that relationship. And if that turns into something where you're being made to feel bad for that, for wanting to change something, or if you feel like nervous about, you know, saying to your dom, I need to like safe right out of this right now, like I'm too tired or like the I need to we need to rethink like my service dude, depending on what your dynamic is, if that doesn't feel possible to you, I would say that's a huge red flag. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a careful line to walk with like a punishment dynamic as well. Where like if you're doing sort of behavioral modification sort of punishments that are more real life day to day. Jay punishes me for things, but it's almost always a joke. Mm-hmm. We don't really do behavior modification. We do like, if I spill a glass of water, it's like 10 minutes. It's like stuff like that. Right. I told him that when I was born, my mom got like postnatal diabetes. <laughs> and he was like, five spanks for giving your mom diabetes. <laughs> you should feel that you can walk away from it at any time or you can renegotiate it at any time. And if you feel, like, nervous about going to your dom and saying, look, I need to renegotiate or in any way, that that should be a big red flag that that relationship is probably on the spectrum of abusive. And or it's not and you're you're nervous for no reason. And in that case, definitely have the conversation and then it'll either go well or it won't. And that will give you a lot of information. Mm -hmm. That being a caveat up front, I think that's an important thing to, like be wary of because the lines can get blurred when the actions that we're doing can be abusive actions and you might want them in certain contexts and not in others and that's why the the consent thing is super super important um and the the sort of constant check-ins even jay even at this point where it's like we're playing so constantly and for so long and like we know each other so well we'll still check in okay so fem so going back getting back to like feminism it's compatible with feminism because it is a choice. 
right? Mm-hmm. Now, there is a sort of problematic, and I don't know if people are familiar with the concept of like choice feminism, but there is a sort of discourse around that in that just saying, well, it's a woman's choice to do what she wants, therefore you can't critique a choice. That can be like problematic to a degree, but at the same time, I prefer to critique the structures. For instance, to give a concrete example, if you're like, well, you can't critique a woman for wanting to stay home and be a stay-at-home mom. Mm -hmm. Or you can't critique a woman for wanting to wear makeup or be thin or these things, right? I think it's it gets really complicated because I I while I don't think it's it's almost victim blaming <laughs> mm. to blame like someone who's getting all these messages from society to blame them for wanting to adhere to that because of course we do we all want to do that and to whatever degree someone wants to like rebel against that like go you but I don't think it's fair to be like it's your job to like actively subvert that but at the same time I think it's good to question like the str- the overlying structures that make many individuals desire something similar, right? I don't think being a sub as a woman or as, like, a femme person to a man has to at all conflict with your feminism because you are making a choice as a feminist to, like, do something that you really enjoy. I felt empowered by subbing because I felt like I was finally taking control of my sexuality. Mm-hmm. And that felt really fucking feminist to me. I went out and I asked for exactly what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And I got it. And that felt amazing to me. This wasn't a situation where I like was like, I just need someone to love me and so I'm going to find a Dom and let him do whatever he wants to me. That was not what happened. Right. <laughs> what happened was I was like, here's exactly what I want in a sexual interaction. No, it's absolutely true. And so that to me felt incredibly empowering and the opposite of like anti-feminist because I wasn't at all submitting. I am submitting to the will of somebody, but that was what I wanted to do, you know, mm-hmm. as I've done more of that I feel like I've only gotten stronger in my ability to set boundaries and my ability to talk about my limits because like I have some limits that are non-conventional like I with my deminess with men I found that I'm into doing like a rough doggy style fucking with a new guy but I don't want to kiss them. Mm-hmm. And I've only recently gotten really good at saying up front in a negotiation, like, hey, I'm good with you, like, roughly fucking me, but I don't want to kiss you at all. It's still you taking control of your sexuality. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is what's important and what is the empowering thing. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Does that make sense? You were talking about, you said, I think, behavior modifications and just, like, more day-to-day... Yeah, behavior modifications, meaning some subs will say, I want to be better about reading every day. Right. So if I don't read every day, punish me. Right. So I've done kind of something like that with my dom, where I'll give him, I'm really into fitness in the gym, and I'll send him a check-in every day, every day, about what I've done at the gym. So I would consider that in that realm. But I asked for that. That was yeah. one of the first things I wanted because I'm a very disciplined, very scheduled person. And anything in that realm, 
I've done like writing assignments for him, reading, but I've asked for every single one of those. And I've been like, I want this. It's never been forced upon me. It's never been like, all right, well, you're doing this for me now. And if you don't do this, because that can be overwhelming. Like it's your life, shit comes up and you shouldn't be expected to have to adhere to that if like you should be able to say, hey, like this is impossible. You can't have this level of control for me to feel overwhelmed day to day. Yeah. And if something comes up, I'm away at home going to a wedding and eating wedding cake. Like it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Can take and a break from it. Oh, you know, sorry. I, I just thought of something that I want to yeah. make sure I remember to say. I feel subbing is an empowering act to me, not only in the moment in terms of asking and getting what I want, but as a person, I feel like, I'll, I'll speak in terms of Jay, even when from the outside looking in, it seems like he's breaking me down, mm-hmm. it feels, I feel like he's building me up as a human being. And he said that before, like, I want to dom you in a way that, that always builds you up. Absolutely. Even if it's a, even if it's a scene where I end up cowering on the floor, he pees all over me, or whatever the thing is, and even if that, even if the aftercare, the holistic experience should be an uplifting one. 100%. And if you feel like your confidence is being lowered, or if you feel like you're being actually broken down in like an emotional way, like if you're feeling worse about yourself consistently over time while you're doing this, that is not what subbing should be about. No, 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 no. Not to be confused with, I want you to destroy me in this scene, which I very much like. And even emotionally, sometimes that. But the trend, you, sh- the, you should trend upwards yeah. in your confidence, in your feeling of like worth as a human being. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. That's what I I'll say. I completely agree. And in that way, I think it can totally be a feminist act. Yeah. I even have that written on my fed in my description. I value being built up, not broken down. Yes. It's At the so end of the day, that's what it's about. A hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a little bit of it, too, is just reveling in the taboo of it. and Because oh you and I, in our vanilla lives, are very driven, very career-oriented. I would dare to say dominant in that space. I think misogyny play is hot. <laughs> I want Jay to, like, say sexist things to me. This <laughs> would be like... You're just, you just exist to serve men, right? Like, yeah. Like, I think it's hot because it's so taboo. Right. And you've said it before in the past, but knowing that the person you're with, knowing their true views are sound and whole and... Yeah. Like, I wouldn't... You know that he's actually not... Yeah, exactly. ...agreeing with those, you know, you know his position. Yeah, which is the difference. It's like a long, long joke that delights me. (laughs) This is a good episode. Yeah, I think so. Thank you for your questions, lovely people, and continue to send them in. Please do. snmchronicles at gmail.com. Again, reach out to us on FetLife. I am Blue Jasmine. And I'm underscore pain slut. Amazing. Um, Thanks. That's all I can think of. Goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye. We love you. Mwah. Jake can't get. I said that after in the blue for real. <laughs> Awkward. Bye. And stay tuned as always for this blooper reel right now. Hi, I'm S. And I'm M. And this is the S and M Chronicles, a kink podcast. I feel like 
You put your hand in front of your face. What? <laughs> oh. I feel like Sorry, it's going to sound I'm going to blow. That's not how you blow. <laughs> Hi, I'm S. And I'm M. Okay, fuck. <laughs> it is time. For... Time to... Things we did this no, week. Wait, no, no. Sorry. Say goodbye. See you in the episode. Bye. <laughs> I know it's been a I think while. A fucking mosquito bit me. Oh no, fucker. <laughs> okay. So, I did a scene. Wow, that's so formal. That's weird. I did. <laughs> I did a scene with my sir. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love being like recording. Jewish. <laughs> You are become, Jewish. I just become a New Yorker. <laughs> Whenever we have problems on the podcast, I just flip into this accent. Yeah. Like the Long Island medium. And I'm like, F. <laughs> you gotta get it together, honey. You gotta stop putting your hands in front of your face because the audience can't hear you when you do that. <laughs> Corny whip sound. Ooh, that was my elbow that just cracked. Did you hear that? I would love to hear you talk about how being a sub or doing impact, doing impact, fuck, well, I'm just going to start that again. (laughs) I don't know what I'm saying. (laughs) You go. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in to this month's episode of S&M Chronicles. If you need to get in touch with us, shoot us an email at s&mchronicles at gmail.com or hit us up on FetLife. I'm Blue Jasmine, and S is underscore pain slut. We look forward to next month's episode. Until then, stay kinky.